Hello, this is Tim Convoy, the pastor of New Life Community Church located in Nashville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for visiting our podcast, and I trust that God will just bless you and encourage you and speak to your heart as you listen to this message. Thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. Good morning. morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Yeah, baby. That's awesome. By the way, I've heard a lot of comments about my shirt. That's... I just bought it last night. I, I keep hearing that real men wear pink. I think a woman came up with that phrase. However, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I, uh, the only thing here, now, if you see a guy wearing a pink shirt, especially one that's just adapting to one, you know, I actually had one years ago. I don't know what happened to it, but here's what you don't say. Wow. That really looks pretty on you. Thanks. I don't want it to look for you. You say, hey, nice. Or you say, hey, you look handsome today. Or, you know, whatever. You know? But not the, the pretty doesn't work. You know, we, don't, we don't want to look pretty. We're not going to say, well, thanks. I'm so glad I look pretty today. And, uh, actually, it's a, it's a special day for me, not only because it's Resurrection Sunday, but uh, last year at Easter, my father had purchased his tie. Uh, to wear an Easter service, and today happens to be his birthday today, and so I'm excited about that, and uh, right after the service this afternoon, we'll be heading down to see him. Uh, they didn't expect him to live through the week, and yet uh, he here he is today, and I'm praising the Lord. Amen. Um, I don't expect him to live through the week. I expect him to live through eternity. He knows the Lord. He knows the Lord. And so, so anyway, so, you know, it was in his honor, and I said, you know what? I got to break down and go out there and find a pink shirt. It's not that I have an affinity, or not an affinity, an anathema towards pink. Carrie, what are you doing? Oh, you're a little late? Okay. It's okay. You know what? Don't, don't draw attention to her. Just act like nothing's happening. <laughs> Poor Carrie. Busted. It's not that I have an anathema towards pink. It's just that I am a cheapskate. So when I look at a shirt that was, I'm, I'm telling you, they wanted 45 bucks for this thing. If it wasn't like 60% off sale, no dice, man. I'm like, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. I'm not going to, I mean, anyways, that, I was like, what? too cheap. But yes, you are seeing correctly. They're not pink lenses on on the uh, thing. All right. We need to get started. Philippians. Everyone's like, what? Philippians, chapter 3. And it's a very convenient verses. Verses 7 to 11. 3, verses 7 to 11. By the way, everybody, turn around and give the balcony a big wave up here, especially give them a, a wave. Hey, balcony guys up there. People forget you're up there, but I don't forget you're up there. We know it. We love you. But uh, we want to feel part of us. I know you thought, wow, I thought we were going to be in John today. Fooled you. We're going to read Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11 in a moment. But as we do... 
historically, I would go to, say, Matthew's Gospel, and I would read about the resurrection. I would read about uh, how Pilate would seal, had the t- seal on the tomb and the soldiers there, how the angel came and a great earthquake rolled the stone away. And, and I love the account. I mean, it's pretty awesome in, in chapter 27, you know, where the stone rolls away and the angels are, are standing there or sitting, actually. And the scripture says that the soldiers, they shook like dead men. And the scripture says, to the, the angel said to the women, be not afraid. Now, the guys, the soldiers were the ones who were afraid. They're, the women were just standing there. It's like, you guys be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. Yeah. You know Jesus. There's no fear when you know Jesus, right? If you don't know Jesus, you better be quaking or get to know Jesus, right? So one or the other. So I, I love the account there. I, I mean, it's, it's just exciting to see and, and read about the actual resurrection, but sometimes, as I was preparing sometime over the past few weeks and just praying through, I said, Lord, you know, where, where, do, you, where do you want me to go? It's very easy on, on holidays to go to a familiar text. And what kept coming in my mind was Paul saying that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You see, friends, here we are as believers almost 2,000 years after the resurrection. And the question is, How does the resurrection of Jesus Christ affect us today? The reality of it, the impact of it. And and as I looked at Paul, I said, here is a, a person that did not at one time believe in the resurrected Christ, was not a believer, was actually so much against Christianity that he made it his life ambition to go and exterminate Christians and extinguish Christianity. So as I look at this text, I say, well, what did it mean to Paul, here is a believer. What does it mean to us as believers when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? So I draw your attention to Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to pick it up, verse 7. So follow with me as I read. But whatever was to my prophet, he's looking back, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He's looking at the present. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death and so uh, somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. So twice Paul refers back to the resurrection of the dead and he says that I might know him and the power of of the resurrection. Father, as we come before you this morning, I pray for the power of the resurrection to meet with us today. I ask that you will just move through our services. I pray for those who are like the Apostle Paul at one time that have not yet been saved. Those that are here or listening over the internet that don't know for sure that they have eternal life. 
I pray for them today. I ask, Lord, you will speak to them. Let them know that Jesus, the innocent one, died in their place and in all of our place, the guilty ones, that we may have eternal life. Father, speak to the lost today. And by your resurrection power, speak to us that have been saved by your grace. Help us, Lord, to to just embody it, to embrace it, to make it real to ourselves, not just a theological knowledge, but something that's very practical, very real, and very life-changing. Lord Jesus, hide me behind the cross and empower me by your Spirit and preach through me and preach to me, I ask. Speak to us today, reprioritize our lives, and help us to be on the direction that you call us to be on. And we ask this in Jesus' holy, holy name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. The message is that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. This day, which culturally, in our culture, we refer to as Easter Sunday, it would be more accurately to refer to it as Resurrection Sunday. That's really the more accurate title. And, and we come today to celebrate uh, not the, the Easter bunnies and the chocolate and the candy, and trust me, I have my fill of the chocolate, and someone gave me this monster, oh, the ladies here, ladies and a monster Easter egg. I thought it was like an ostrich egg. It's amazing. I even had to eat my wife's. It was so good. So, uh, well, I give her a bite, but anyways... But the point is that when it comes to this day, we have all this celebration and the family get together and the meals and, and, and the baskets and the candy and all this. But I'm here to tell you something. The celebration today is not about Easter. It's about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's, we wouldn't have today if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. We would be, of all people, as Scripture says, most miserable. Now, you wouldn't think we'd get more miserable than we are, but we would be most miserable, right? No, we shouldn't be miserable. We should be excited and say, wow, if anyone should be miserable, it would be those that are without Christ and refuse Christ and would walk away from Christ. But man, I tell you what, we have no reason to be miserable. Today, we celebrate a risen Savior. We celebrate the fact that Jesus went to the cross in our place. Listen, friends, we need to really absorb that. You and I, we were the guilty ones. We were the sinners, right? Jesus Christ was the innocent one. He was the innocent lamb of God that had no sin of his own. And yet he took, just like Barabbas, the guilty one, physically was removed, and he took his place. So also we were physically in Christ, if you will, and spiritually, when he went to that cross, he died for your guilt and my guilt. He died for it. But because he had no sin of his own, then when he died and was buried the third day, the Bible says that Jesus rose from the dead because sin had no grip on him. Satan had no power over him, and death could not hold him. He was the innocent Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Do you believe that today? When I, amen. There he is. That's the gospel, friends. And it's so simple, even a child can believe it. I tell you what, the older we get, the harder it is, isn't it? 
I mean, boy, if we could just simply accept the facts that God tells us, instead of trying to reason it out, logic it out, figure it out, just say, Lord, if you said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Amen? And by the way, if God said it, it settles it whether we believe it or not. (laughs) Right? It's still settled. So when it comes to the resurrection, when it comes to salvation, I want to in my life, and I want to in your life, and I want to, like in Paul's life, I want to see what does the resurrection really mean to you and I? Yes, salvation. Yes, it makes a way and opens the way to heaven. But what does it really mean to us? Does it mean anything to us? Friends, I propose Christianity is built on the resurrection. Don't, by the way, don't worry about that little baby. He goes louder. She goes louder. I'll go louder. It's all right. God bless you, Isaac. <laughs> the resurrection. Friends, first of all, the resurrection makes it possible. It makes it possible to know Jesus Christ personally. It makes it possible. You see, Paul says here in our scripture, I consider everything lost, worthless for what? For the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, everything else that he says is worthless that for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. My personal pronoun. He said, there is nothing greater There is nothing that surpasses the greatness of me personally being able to know Jesus Christ. And friends, I'm here to tell you something that's not rocket science. You cannot know a dead person if you had never met them prior. Have you ever stopped to think about it? You cannot know a dead person if you never knew them prior. You you can know of them. You can learn about them but you cannot know them personally if they are dead and you have never met them before. And friends, when Paul writes this, that I may know him and the exceeding greatness of knowing Christ my Savior, he's saying, I met him. He said, I'm not, I'm not talking about a dead man that someone told me about. I'm talking about a living man. Paul saying, I was on the road to Damascus. I was on the way to kill Christians and imprison Christians for for believing in Jesus Christ. I had had a group of soldiers with me on my horse heading there to to Damascus, and I was going to stamp out and exterminate Christianity. But he says, but I want you to know something. I met Jesus Christ personally. He says, I met him. I'm not here because I know someone about someone who's dead. He says, I'm here because I know Jesus Christ and he is alive today. And Paul says, I met him. Amen. Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. And he says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why are you persecuting me? And he says, who art thou, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom you have persecuted. He identifies himself, and he, and for once in Paul's life, it's Saul at the time, he gets knocked off his high horse, and we all have to get that done, don't we? When we get knocked off our high horse, then it's about time we say, hmm, maybe I better look into this Jesus person. He says, and that day, I met not a dead Jesus, 
I met a living Jesus, a personal Jesus. I'm here to proclaim to you today, friends, Jesus is not a dead person. Jesus is alive today. He is alive, and he is as real as you and I are real. Matter of fact, he's more real than you and I are real, right? He experiences more than you and I ever can experience here in this life. He is alive today. He is real today. And he is a savior that is able to have that personal relationship with you, to talk with you, to live with you, to help you, to walk with you, to guide you, to comfort you, to strengthen you. He is here for you today, friends. He's not some distant Savior who's just sitting on the throne way off in heaven somewhere. He's alive and present right here, right now, this day. Man, I believe Jesus is in this room. I believe he's alive. I believe that, that he is here and able to have that personal relationship with you. So I wonder, do you know him? Do you know him? Those here, maybe a long time, those visiting, those watching over the internet, that is a bottom line question. The question is not, is Jesus alive? Jesus is alive, amen? The question is, have you met the living Savior? Not do you know about him, but do you really know him? Not do I think so or hope so or maybe so, but is it a no-so? I know that I know. I know for sure that I know Jesus as my personal Savior. I, I have met him. I've experienced his resurrection power. And Jesus brought this dead sinner back to life. And friends, that's what I tell you. You and I were dead, dead, dead in trespasses and sin. Is that right? I mean, you can't get any more deader than dead, right? I mean... I mean, when you're dead, dead, and maybe three deads, dead, dead, dead. In trespass and sin, God said, he said, Tim, you're dead. You're dead, man. You've got to meet life. If you continue existing in this fashion, uh, you will be dead forever and all eternity. But the day that I met life, Jesus Christ, was the day that this dead man came back to life. He came to life, and, and he was regenerated. And let me tell you something. I thought you Christians were all crazy before I got saved. And I thought you didn't have any fun. That's why I wasn't getting saved. Everyone's telling me, man, it's so exciting to be a Christian. I said, I've seen some of you guys. It don't look that exciting. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, the day I got saved, March 10th, 1983, the day I got saved was the day that I really knew what life was about. Because it's about a person. It's not about an existence. And that day when I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior, sitting on a log in the middle of the woods in South Carolina, yes, that's legal. You know, can you get saved in the woods? Yes, you can. I did. Jesus met me there in the woods. I'll tell you what, that day that, that I accepted Christ, something happened inside here. And something changed. And I couldn't explain it, but it, it, it was like the colors were brighter. It was like my hearing was different. It, it was like my eyes were different, like the scales fell off. And by the way, don't, don't be looking for all the experience. It's not about the experience. It's about the relationship. It's about the day I asked Jesus to save me. But I said, you know what I, you know what I said before I got saved? All right. 
if I do this thing and ask Jesus to save me like my friends want me to, and it's not real, I'll just go back to being who I was. Right? Easy enough, right? I had plenty of sin planned that weekend, actually. I saved on th- <laughs> I did. I got saved on a Thursday, and uh, I had plans Friday and Saturday. <laughs> That's true. I didn't know, you know, when you get saved, how much confession you're supposed to do when you confess you're a sinner. So I did. I confessed all the past, present, and my future sins I was planning on doing. I said, Lord, you know, I'm going to do this. I wanted to do this. So, you know, and, and so, anyways, I won't get into all that. But I said, if it's not real, what do I got to lose? But then I said, but if it is real and I don't do it, man, I got a lot to lose, don't I? And that day when I asked Christ to save me, and he changed me, he came into me, and I'm telling you, when I get off that log, and I, now, I didn't know anything about, thing about all the born-again stuff. Matter of fact, the sun was rising, it was about 10 in the morning, and when my eyes opened and my pupils dilated, they're like, you know, you know what I'm talking about? When that bright, and I thought that was the born-again part. I was like, wow, is that the born-again part? You know, I was dumb as a stump, man. I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about anything. Still don't know much about something, but, but I was like, wow. But what I did know is something changed in here. Something changed in here. And all the guys started partying their way out of work that day and wanted me to join in. We're all in the car together. I said, no thanks. <laughs> no thanks. I, I asked Christ to save me today. And they're all going, oh, <laughs> get me out of here. <laughs> But friends, I want to tell you something. I said to myself, if it's not real, then I'm not going to hang out with these guys. I'll go right back to the old way. But here I am, 32 years later, and it's more real as each day goes by. I said, it is real, and it is true. And Jesus is alive, and he changes life, and he'll bring you back from the dead, and he'll loose you from your, your addictions, and he'll, he'll take that stuff that's got a hold of you and break you free from it. He'll snatch you out of the, the grip of sin. He'll snatch you out of the grip of Satan, and he will put a life inside you that will never, ever, ever stop. A living, eternal life. And I said, man, this is real. And yes, I was a little radical at the time. I've mellowed. <laughs> My jokes have gotten better. That's about it. No, maybe not. But the thing is this. It's the resurrection that made knowing Christ possible. You cannot know a dead person if you never met them before. But when Jesus came alive, I met him. And he is real, and he's still alive today, and he's here to save anyone here that is not saved. Amen? We need to get a hold of that realization. And first of all, it's a resurrection that made it even possible to know him. It's a resurrection also that changes our priorities. That's what Paul said. Whatever I was to my prophet, I now consider it loss for the sake of Christ. He said, for whose sake I have lost all things and consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Paul is saying, he says, my priorities changed. Why did they change? How did they change? 
They changed because what Paul valued changed. Your priorities are based on what you value, what you care about, where your affections are at. That's what you will pursue. That's what you will chase. That's what you and I will make as our priorities. That which we are, have our affections will be at the top. That which don't, <laughs> we'll start going down here. And, and at least, at least we're, our, of our affections and value, the lower and lower it goes down that scale. You see, friends, Paul's values changed. He once valued his job, his ambitions. He once valued his aspirations. Matter of fact, he even calls himself uh, the Pharisee of the Pharisees. Pharisee means separated one. I, I was the separated one of the separated ones. Ever stop and think about that? Here's a group that they're real proud of themselves for being so separated from those dirty, rotten sinners over there. And, and so, so here's the Pharisees, the righteous ones, the separated ones. And then in that circle, Paul said, and I stepped outside the circle, and I was the Pharisee, the separated one of the separated ones who were separated. You see, he's like three times removed from the, these dirty, rotten sinners. He goes, this, this is who I am. He'll give his testimony. He says, I was dedicated. I was driven. He was the most driven, the most committed, and the, the highest example of the Pharisees, of his religious days. He was so committed. He says, man, give me letters. Give me letters. Give me letters to go get those Christians arrested, and I'll go get them. And that's exactly what the high priest says. Okay, man, here you go. They just gave it to him, and off he went. He went after those Christians, and, and he was just... To all the people in his group, he was the pinnacle in his ambitions. You see, friends, he was climbing the religious ladder, and he was making a name for himself. His peers respected him, and his enemies feared him. But when Paul personally met Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus, Paul said, man, my value system changed. My priorities changed. I wonder, what, what happened to that detachment of guys that were with him, all the soldiers? Where did they go? You have no idea. All it says, you know, that, that Paul had to go into the city uh, as he was blind and going to see Ananias. <laughs> but where did the others go? You know, they didn't see what Paul saw. But Paul said, you know what? At that point when I met Jesus, here's what he did. He reevaluated his life. He reassessed his priorities, and he redirected his energies. He reevaluated his life and said, where am I at in life? Where am I going in life? And once he reevaluated and said, what's the value of these things? Uh, he, he then uh, redirected, or excuse me, reassessed his priorities. What is the top priority and what's a lower priority? And then once he changed his priorities and put Jesus at the top priority where Jesus belongs, he then redirected his energy. Instead of looking to exterminate Jesus, Paul went out there and spread Jesus everywhere. I mean, isn't God cool how he does things? It's like here's the hater of the hatest of all haters out there to want to, I don't even know if that's a phrase, but pretend it is. Out there to say, man, I just hate Christianity. And yet God saves him. That, that, that's like that uh, Yosef. You ever read the book Son of Hamas? Hamas, his father is the one who started Hamas. And yet the Lord goes and saves the starter of Hamas 
the terrorist organization, saves the, the founder's son. And Yosef, who is a uh, um, Palestinian, works alongside of Joel Rosenberg, who is a Messianic Jew. Is God cool or what? It's like, how God works. Because when we get saved, friends, let me tell you something. We need to say, where are my priorities? Where, what do I value in life? And, and whatever my priority is, that's what I'm going to chase. Paul said, I looked at all my priorities in the past, and he goes, you know what? I count them but lost. They're worthless. The literally says they're rubbish. In other words, I threw them away. I took all the old value system and threw it away. Matter of fact, this word here where it says rubbish literally means a dung hill. You understand what dung is. I won't get into all that, right? It's a pile of fertilizer. He goes, I look back and said, boy, I sure built a big old pile of fertilizer. That's what it amounts to if you chase anything other than Jesus Christ, right? I mean, that, I'm not being coarser. That's what the word means. And we're all about the words, right? And he says, I look at that. He said, it's worthless. When I compare to what Jesus offers, when I compare the new life that Jesus made for me, and saved me, Paul says, my pursuits changed because my priorities changed. And my priorities changed because my values changed. And my values changed because I realized that Jesus is alive and I met him personally. You see, friends, when I look at what Paul writes here, I have to ask myself as I put it out to you, where are our priorities? Where are our pursuits? What do you value in life? And you say, well, I, I value Jesus. Sure, you know, if we're saved, we would all raise our hands and say, sure, I value Jesus. But my question is, Where's the, the greater value? And you say, well, how do I know that? The answer is, what do you pursue after more? What has a higher priority than Jesus? What is a higher priority than worshiping Jesus? What has a higher priority than being assembled together in God's house that he calls us to do? By the way, did you understand uh, churchianity and, and creating church is not uh, New Life's idea? You understand that, right? It was never man's idea to say, hey, why don't we start this thing and we'll call it a church. This was Jesus' idea, right? Called out assembly. And I often ask myself, what's he calling us out? Well, he's calling us out of the world, right? Sometimes he's calling me out of bed. Get out of bed, Tim. Tim, get up. Get out of bed. And come worship me. And I'll tell you what, before, before I was saved, I'm like, are you kidding me? I knew better. I went to, I went to service Saturday night, so I didn't have to get up Sunday morning. <laughs> you know, you know, when my head was like a basketball, I wasn't going anywhere Sunday morning. But the point is this. You've got to reevaluate. Say, what do, I, what do I chase? What, what do you chase? What takes precedent over Jesus Christ? Is it your career? Is it the pursuit of things? Better house, better vehicle. Nothing wrong with houses and vehicles. Good to be in them when you're when it's raining, right? But is that the pursuit? Do you pursue material things? Are you in a pursuit of education? I don't know anybody would want to do that, but some might. 
pursuit of knowledge and say, hey, I gotta learn more. What do you, it's nothing wrong to have these things in your pursuit. My question is, what if any of these have taken precedent and priority over Jesus Christ? That now I don't have time to serve him here. I don't have time to be there. I don't have time to worship. I don't have time. You know, I, I just can't. Let me tell you something. This world, the devil, will get us so busy that we'll never be able to find time for Jesus Christ. we got to make time for Jesus Christ. And the way we make it is to reassess our value system. It says, what, what's really important? And friends, I want to tell you something you already know. Life is short. I've just completed my 53rd lap around the sun. I'm starting my 54th. Looking forward to it. And I look back and said, how did I get to be an old man? Because when I was 20, I thought, 50s, man, they're old. And now I got a 20-year-old mind and a 53-year-old body. Anyone relate to that, you know? I tell people I got the strength of a man twice my age. And that's true. <laughs> man. But it's quick. It's very quick. You know, uh, I guess I was, you know, I, I know. It's, it's, you know, it's tough all week when I hear your dad's not going to make another two days. I'm sitting there going, no, I, got, I know I got to be here Sunday. I know it, I know it, I know it. And yet your heart's down there. That's hard. <laughs> but I'm at peace about it. And I know that it's here. But you know what I also realized? I'm like, wow, he, he turned 76 today. And yet I can look back and remember when he, he was younger. Now, I thought he was old when he was in his 30s, but I remember that. You know? And it's like, man, that went by quick. It drags as you're going along. But, but when you stop and you look in the rearview mirror and you say, man, I covered that much ground. You know, here I am already today. I, you know, when, you got, when your kids are in their 30s, you know, you're like, wow, how'd that happen? And I know some maybe you have kids older, but to me, I'm like, my youngest is in his 30s. But you know what? It may be quicker than that that we see Jesus. Because he may be coming back for us very, very, very soon. I call it my bone theology. I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my bones. His return is close, friends. And he's not going to be wondering how good we were at pursuing everything else in this world. He's going to say, how were you at pursuing me? Was I a priority in your life? Or was sleep a priority, Tim? Was work your priority, Tim? Was education, was sports, was entertainment, was travel, what, whatever, whatever I could put there. What a question. What is my priority? The resurrection makes it possible to know Christ. The resurrection changes our priorities. The resurrection provides us, friends, true and lasting righteousness. Verse 9 tells us this, and it's, you need to read it, read it, and reread it. He says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes 
that, that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. You see, friends, the resurrection makes it possible to know him, but it also uh, readjusts our values and our priorities. At least it should. I should reevaluate. And by the way, it's a constant thing. Don't, you know, the, you know, the problem with preachers is everyone thinks, oh man, you and God are like this. No, we're not. Me and God are like this. He's in me and I'm in him. And by the way, so are you. All right? I'm, I'm no different than you are. Matter of fact, look, now I'm even wearing pink shirts. You see? I'm just, just, just like you and I. But, but, but the problem is this, that we think that somehow that, oh, you know, someone's up on this pedestal here, or someone's more spiritual. Every one of us that know Christ have the same opportunity to know Him and to build that relationship with Him and to recognize the truth that will transform your life and is dealing with righteousness. Righteousness means being right with God. If that's for me, tell him I'm busy. God bless you. Paul says, I no longer am trying to be right with God by keeping the law. You know what he says? I can't do it. I try and I can't do it. I try and I can't do it. Before I was saved, I tried. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Let me tell you something. I tried turning over the whole tree, and it still didn't work. <laughs> Forget the new leaf. I, you know, I tried this, right? And I, inevitably, I said, man, I just can't do this thing. That, that was my biggest fear. I said, well, if I get saved, what if I can't do it? See, I really didn't know anything. And my friend said, do what? What if I can't, like, live like you guys, you know, back then they wore suit and ties to church. You know, There's nothing wrong with it. Man, I, that's what I love being when I'm in Africa in ministry. Man, they 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 have these nice, comfortable shirts that they wear over there. It's like nice, but that's another subject. But what if I can't do it, friends? Let me tell you something. You couldn't keep the law before you were saved, and your righteousness doesn't come by keeping the law after you're saved. Your righteousness, my righteousness, Paul's righteousness. His righteousness did not come from how he behaved. It came from who he believed in. That's where his righteousness. He says, it's not how I behave. I can't behave well enough. He says, I am not right with God because I behave right. I am right with God because I believe right. And I believe in Jesus Christ. It's not what I, how I behave. It's who I believe. I believe in Jesus Christ, the righteous one. For he who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that today? As my friends say, can I get a witness, huh? <laughs> Gee, I mean, come on, listen. It's not about me being right. It's about God making me right. I couldn't be right then. God made me right. And he made me right in Christ. And if you're not saved, I know that's hard to hear. Because when I wasn't saved, I thought, who does this guy think he is? One of those holier-than-thou guys. No, I'm not. I'm just as bad as thou. What I, I'll tell you what. Christ made a trade. And he took my sin and traded for his right standing with God. And he said, and if you believe that, 
He says, that'll transform your life. And Paul says, the resurrection gave to me, not righteousness of my own, but the righteousness of God, and it's in Christ Jesus, and it's by faith, not by believing, or behaving, rather. It's by faith. It's, it's do I believe this? And that righteousness changes me because now I understand it's grace and grace alone. And now I, I, don't, I don't live right in order to earn God's pleasure. Let me tell you something. I stand in Christ in Christ's pleasure in the, in the eyes of God, right? We stand in Christ as the beloved. He doesn't call you saints as, well, I hope you're saints. Some saints, some ain't, you know. He says, if you're in Christ, he says, you're holy in Christ. And as Paul said, not of my own. He said, it's all about God. And friends, I'm here to tell you, Paul realized because of the resurrection, he can be right with God. It's a good thing to be right with God, isn't it? Sure don't want to be on the other side of that equation, do you? I don't want God as my enemy, and I don't want to be unright with God. Praise God that in Jesus, what I believe makes me right, not how I behave. Jesus, the righteous one, rose from the dead. I'm not asking you, are you self-righteous? And I'm not asking you, are you religious righteous? I'm not asking you if you're law righteous and kept all the Ten Commandments and was a better Boy Scout than I was. I got kicked out. I was set up. Tell you about it later. I was. I was. What troop leader would give a, a kid some eggs and say, here, go get rid of these? As soon as I got rid of them, I get busted and thrown out. It's a setup. My whole life's been like that. So. It's, it's true. That's what happened. Thanks a lot. How do I lose track like this? <laughs> I'm not asking you if you got even Boy Scout righteousness. I'm asking you, do you have God's righteousness? Do you have it? It's very humbling when you realize that in Christ, because of what you believe, you do have it. The resurrection made it possible. And as I close, the resurrection makes God's power available. You see, that's what Paul, the thrust of what he says, that I may know Christ. I want to know Jesus Christ. And Paul, I thought you got saved. I did get saved, but I want to keep, I want to know him more and more and more. I want to know Christ, and I want to know the power of his resurrection. Let me ask you, friends, what kind of power does it take to bring somebody back from the dead. What kind of power does it take to bring a dead man back to life? I'm not talking about rubbing a paddle and resuscitation things. I'm talking about someone who's been dead three days and three nights laying in tomb. What kind of power does it take to bring a dead person back to life again? That kind of power, Paul says, I want to know that kind of power. I know the Savior that that power worked through and raised from the dead. I know him, but I want to know the power that energized the dead and brought Jesus back to life. I want to know it not just theologically, not just intellectually. I want to know it experientially. That's what it means, gnosko. 
That's the word here. I want to know experientially and continue to grow in the knowledge of the power of the resurrection. Pretty quick, huh? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Boy. That's the devil up there going, ding. <laughs> but Paul says, you know that power? That power that brought Jesus through his suffering, the verse says, and brought him through death. He goes, that's the power I want to know. You see, Jesus believed no matter what happened, no matter how bad life got, he believed even through the suffering that the resurrection was on the other side. He believed the promise of God that though he were to die, yet shall he live. And he believed that his father was going to raise him from the dead. And so Jesus went through the suffering and went through death, believing that he was going to rise on the other side. That's where he got his hope. That's where he got his confidence. That's where he relied on the power of the Spirit of God to get him through these hard times because he believed the power of the resurrection was going to raise him from the dead. You see, friends, Paul says, I want to know that personally. I want to know what kind of power does it take to raise a dead man? What kind of power does it take? Friends, I'm here to tell you what kind. It takes God power. It takes delivering power. It takes resurrection power. If it was not available for you and I, Paul would not be saying, I want to know it and experience it. Paul, as a Christian, says, I believe I can experience it, and I want to know it, and he chased after it. He goes, I want to know that power that is able to change me, that is able to deliver me, that is able to strengthen me, that is able to help me, that is able to get me through this, no matter what life throws at me, no matter how bad it gets. I want to know that power. I want to know it today. And friends, as we gather today, I want to tell you something. I believe with all my heart that the resurrection power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's available to you and I this very day. I believe it. I believe it's the same power that raised Jesus is the same power that's able to heal your body and my body. I believe by his stripes we are healed. And it was the power of the resurrection that took his battered, beaten, and horrific body that was just just mangled by those soldiers and brought healing to it and raised him from the dead. And Paul says, I want to know that power. I want to know that power. And it was that power that released the grip that sin and death had on him as he paid for our sin and not his own. Paul says, I want to know that power. I'm here to give you hope, friends. Whether you're here, whether you're watching abroad, I want to tell you something. The power of the resurrection is able to deliver you from the grip of anything that's got a hold of you. Anything that's got a hold of you, I don't care if the devil himself's got a hold of you, the power of Jesus Christ is stronger than that old devil, I'll tell you. You got an addiction you're battling, Jesus can deliver you. You've been hooked on that pornography, it's just one click away, Jesus can deliver you, friends. You're hooked on that bottle. You need to break away from it. Jesus can deliver you, friends. I'm, I'm here to tell you something. I know for a fact that the power of the resurrection is able to deliver you and I out of anything and everything. It is able to do it. The question is, are we, like Paul, seeking after and saying, I want to know that power. 
I want to know him and the power of the resurrection because I need it in my life. And maybe you're here today and say, you know what? I need God's power in my life. I need God's power to help me overcome this burden. I need God's power to, to work in a terrible situation in my life. I need God's power to strengthen me and help me. I need God's power to heal me of this cancer, of this disease, of this brokenness, whatever it is. I need God's power. And I'm here to tell you, friends, the resurrection of power is the power can raise the dead. That power can deliver you and I from anything. I believe that today. The question is, do you believe it today? It's all because of the resurrection. Do you know him? It makes it possible that you might know him. Has it changed your values and your prioritizing in your life? Reassess your life. God bless you. Has the resurrection of Jesus Christ, have you realized the righteousness that it puts you in before God? And do you realize the power of that resurrection is available to you and I today? As Rusty comes to lead us, let's stand together. Maybe today, friends, you're here today, and I'm telling you, I believe in all my heart that God wants to heal you today, wants to help you today, wants to save you today. I invite you right now to come. Step out as Rusty comes up to sing. If you're here and you need God's touch, you need some healing, you just come. Step out. I mean, don't be shy. Come right out. I need God's touch today for some healing in my body. I need God's touch and healing on me about this issue I'm battling with. We have folks up here that will speak with you, pray with you. But you come. Come now. Come now. Do you know him? Do you know him? If you know him, where is he on the priority list? Do you need him today? You need that touch? You come. You come. You need that healing? You come. If you're not saved, folks will introduce you to Christ. You come.